Switzerland's. I'm going to start today with the usual station channel identifier, as they would say in the biz, which I'm not in the biz, but this is what I've been told. <laughs> uh, this is Oddly Adulting, a semi-new podcast. Uh, it's my my newest and only podcast, as a matter of fact. And uh, this is episode 25. It's the second episode in the year 2020, though. And uh, I mentioned last um, episode what I was going to be doing as kind of not New Year's resolutions, but plans for the new year. And I can't remember, maybe somebody could go back and listen and tell me, I can't remember if I listed podcasting (laughs) as one of those things or not. Uh, But I do intend to podcast this year, and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to kind of say this to make myself accountable. My intention is to podcast one to two times a week, Uh, the minimum being one and the maximum being two. But um, I did not accomplish that. I did not accomplish that goal last week. Uh, So here I am. I'm back. It's basically the third week. We're about to start the third week of January. And part of the reason why I didn't podcast last week was because well, I had two, two major reasons. First reason is because I just was having a hard time deciding what to even talk about. Because as you know, this is just an odd arrangement of topics. There's not really a rhyme or reason that has presented itself yet. And so um, that actually left a little too much to my imagination, and I was having a hard time narrowing down the topic. The second reason is that I have very unfortunately been stricken with a case of acute sciatica. (laughs) Yes, just call me grandma. Um, And so sitting to do anything has not been my favorite. So I've been trying to spend a lot of time walking slash stretching slash resting in a reclined position. And it's rather impossible to podcast in a reclined position. So um, anyway, that's my excuse or explanation or whatever you want to call it. Um, But I'm feeling a lot better this week. I have an MRI. I'm getting, I'm going to, I'm framing this as an, I get to, I get to have an MRI on Wednesday. Uh, I've never had one before, so this is going to be a new experience. I had a mom friend tell me to enjoy my 30 minutes of solitude and stick the earplugs in and take a nap. I hope that will be my experience. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, But both my physical therapist and my chiropractor have been on my case for three solid weeks to go get an MRI, so I finally agreed to do it. So I'm going to do that on Wednesday, so... Hey, maybe I can report back. Maybe I'll do an entire episode about all the crazy things I thought about during my MRI. Or maybe I'll just take a nap and then there won't be any, there won't be any material. Um, but that brings me to today. And I got this um, wave of an idea while I was driving. So don't tell anybody, but I actually wrote down the notes for this episode while I was driving So they're written on, can you hear this? (laughs) I bet you know exactly what this is. This is the back of an envelope that has a bill in it. (laughs) That's how you know because of the, because of the crinkly, crinkly plastic window. Um, If you're nosy like I tend to be and you're wondering what kind of a bill it is, I'll just tell you. 
this is for the bill. This is the bill for when I took my middle child to have some asthma testing. She, in fact, had spirometry and a plethysmograph. Interesting, right? And just for fun, just for, um, what is the word? Oh, it's not ephemera. Um, for, uh, for posterity. For posterity, I'm going to tell you that the total bill was $241.62. Gotta love it. Um, also, she has asthma, so... At least it was not a wasted, at least it was not a wasted trip to the doctor, but I digress. Um, so I wrote all my notes on the back of this envelope, um, while I was driving, obviously I survived, didn't have any accidents or anything like that, but I don't recommend that. That's not the most effective or safest way to prepare for a podcast, but sometimes that's how life goes. When the idea hits you, you know, you just gotta, you gotta get it on paper. Otherwise you'll forget. So that's what I did. So today I want to introduce you to, oh man, my dog has the worst timing ever. Obviously my husband did not do what I asked him to do, which was babysit the dog while I was podcasting. So hold on, let me let her in here. Otherwise she's going to whine at the door for half an hour. Come on, come on, get in your house. Okay. No, you can't be right there. Get in your house. Come on. Nope. In your house. Get. You better get. There you go. Okay. Now just be quiet. All right. Adventures in live podcasting. Episode 25. (laughs) Okay. That would have been a good name for a podcast. All right. So as I was saying, um, I'm going to tell you about something that um, I didn't know existed until the last year or two. I would say I probably found out about it in the last like 24 to 36 months. That's what we're going to go with. And I found out about it by, um, being in a message board. It's not really a message board, I guess, technically, because it's, it's Facebook, but, uh, message, remember message boards? That's actually how I met like half of my friends. (laughs) I think I've mentioned that before. Um, so it's not really a message board. It's a Facebook group. It's a Facebook group for the curriculum that I use for homeschooling. And everybody's always on there, you know, saying, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, I couldn't get this, the copy of such and such book. So does anybody have a good substitute they can suggest? Or we're running into this problem or this, um, challenge or struggle, you know, what advice do you have for me? That kind of thing. So it's, it's basically a group of homeschooling parents, all of which are moms. As far as I can tell, I haven't rooted out. I have no, no homeschool dads have outed themselves yet in this group. Homeschool dads are almost as rare as unicorns. I actually have a friend who's a homeschool dad. And I told him when I started podcasting that I 100% intended to interview him because he is living like a parallel life but like a parallel universe life because I'm a homeschool mom. He's a homeschool dad. I have only girls. He has only boys and I'm the stay at home parent. He's the stay at home parent. So it's, um, it's really cool what he and his family have been able to do. They have a really cool life. So I would, I would love to like, just ask him questions and pick his brain about what being a homeschool dad is like, because they're so rare. But anyway, 
I digress yet again. I'm in this group. We discuss things. And so I heard, or not heard, obviously, there wasn't uh, audible voices. I read, started reading about this um, thing, I guess, called, drum roll please, here's our topic for the night, Mother Culture. Okay. It is almost as fruity as it sounds. <laughs> okay. Like I said, no homeschool dads have outed themselves in the, in this group yet. So I don't know if father culture exists, but I learned this term mother culture and it comes from Charlotte Mason's teachings, which if I haven't already talked about Charlotte, I'll give you the most, um, low rent, recap ever of who Charlotte Mason was. Charlotte Mason was an educator in the early 20th century. So in the early 1900s, she was working as an educator. She was a private educator for wealthy families in England. And she went on to, um, uh, found her own Institute of learning and methodologies. And she wrote multiple volumes of, commentary, um, about her philosophies on education. She was never married. She never had children. So not that that in any way disqualifies her to be an expert on, um, education or home, home education even. But what is funny to me is that that's where the idea of mother culture came from. So this woman who did not have biological children of her own, but had many spiritual children and all of the children that she worked to educate um, and influence their families for all those years. But somehow this term mother culture came from Charlotte Mason and Charlotte Mason's teachings. Okay. So the, basically the idea is (laughs) this is again, like the worst, this is the most low rent and I'm going to add a snarky spin to it just because that's who I am. But basically, Charlotte Mason was like, mothers, you should not allow yourself to fall into the trap of giving up thoughtful pursuits once you become a mother. You know, have some dignity and continue to learn things and produce things and be a thoughtful, productive human. Don't just let it all go (laughs) because you became a mother. (laughs) So, um, I'm sure that she didn't mean it in a snarky way. It's just funny to me when I read the stuff that people talk about, about mother culture. So what you're going to get today is you're going to get my spin, my little, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, snarky approach to mother culture. But I'm, what I'm saying is it's a thing that exists. I only just found out about it. I've been a mother now for a dozen years. So I feel like it's maybe kind of a trendy thing in homeschool circles. I don't feel like it's something that has been, this term has been around, um, forever. I don't even think that Charlotte Mason came up with the term mother culture. I think someone else did. I think they read her books and they created this term, um, So, but it is, it's very trendy and it's getting thrown around a lot in these groups that I'm in because I ascribe to the Charlotte Mason method of education. And so 
there's lots of talk about these types of things. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some homeschool buzzwords that you can take out into the real world and use and see what kind of a reaction you get. And so today, the one you're going to get is mother culture. Um, maybe this will become like a regular thing. I can teach you like homeschool, like buzzwordy homeschool stuff <laughs> for you to drop, you know, when you meet that one rare unicorn of a person in public who is a homeschooler or maybe even a homeschool dad. Okay. So, oh boy, my light just went out. Uh Oh, come back. I can't see a thing. Hold on. My little rooster light gave up the ghost. What in the world? What an, what a terrible time for the light bulb to burn out. Hold on. Come back little guy. Ooh, I didn't realize how much electrical tape was holding this together. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Let's be careful with that, shall we? I think maybe for the first time ever, I've taken a hard look at this. This whole cord to my little rooster light is basically held together by, there's definitely electrical tape on the bottom, and I think I'm seeing medical tape on the top. <laughs> okay, might have to move back out to the office. All right, back to what I was saying. I'm going to tell you all about mother culture, okay? So here we go. Mother culture is the idea that even though most of our time is taken up by the care and keeping of small humans, we should not forego uh, pursuits that personally enrich us. In fact, create um, the tradition of us being a lifelong learner alongside our children. So that's, I guess, why it became, why it has become a homeschool buzzwordy thing. I think that the mainstream parallel term to this might be self-care. Okay, hang with me on that one. But basically, the idea is that don't just be a frumpy mom. Don't just be a soccer mom. Um, schlepping your kids around town and listening to kids bop in the car or whatever. It's the idea that even though we're busy, even though we're spending a lot of time and energy um, planning lessons for our children, executing those lessons, um, you know, meal planning, shopping, click listing, whatever, like even though we're super busy, make time for the finer things. For the purpose of becoming a more rounded, more well-rounded person who can then be a good example to the children that you're trying to educate. So in that way, it's really not very deserving of the snark that I'm giving it because really, okay, I am the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what a horrible cliched term to use. Um, at the end of the day, it is really my responsibility if I have said, okay, I'm going to homeschool my kids, that I'm the only person that I can hold accountable for that. My husband supports me, but he is not the one homeschooling them. And my family supports me, but they're not the ones homeschooling them. My friends are supportive, but they are not homeschooling them. It's me. It's all me. So if I 
want my children, which I do because this is, this is why I have chosen the type of curriculum that I have chosen. This is why, you know, I've done, I do the Charlotte Mason approach, which is, um, that education should be treated like a feast. Okay. And you want to lay out all kinds of tantalizing, delicious, interesting, visually appealing. You want to lay out a feast in front of your children of all of the things that you want them to learn. And you want to encourage them to not just eat it, but really savor it and enjoy it. So it's not like, um, the, the, uh, buffet at Shoney's. Okay. (laughs) It's not like room temperature macaroni salad and stale fries. We're talking about like the good stuff. We're talking about the like Sunday brunch with the omelet station at the country club. Okay. (laughs) Education is supposed to be a feast, right? So that's, that's what I say I believe in. I choose my curriculum based on this idea. I approach lesson planning based on this idea and all of that. However, if I don't ever put my money where my mouth is and, and my kids see me consuming, um, you know, feast worthy things, then they're they're It's not going to mean as much to them. They're going to go, well, how come you make us listen to, um, you know, Longfellow, while we color with watercolors, but you're over there scrolling Instagram. (laughs) No, because they love their life. They hopefully would never say something that sassy to me, but I know they're thinking it. I'm sure they are. So mother culture is supposed to encourage us. We're supposed to embrace the idea that mother culture is supposed to encourage us to have an interest and pursue, um, knowledge or exposure to things like art, music, books, hobbies that are sort of of the like handicraft variety, things you can make with your hands that are, you know, pretty and maybe functional. I don't know. But it can be, I'm going to say that in 2020, when you can be anything you want to be, like literally, legitimately, I'm going to say it can be whatever you like. So mother culture is not just for mothers. So let's just go ahead and debunk that myth right now. Okay. Mother culture, if you take a step back and you take the word mother out of it, this is like personal culture. Okay. Everybody could do with some more culture and some more um, exposure to the finer things of life, to the feast Okay, that we have available to us through art, through music, through books, hobbies, just whatever you like. Okay, and that's why I say I think that the parallel, the mainstream parallel to this might be self care. Because what do you, what do we hear a lot? You know, self care is reading a good book, taking a walk, listening to music, you know, listening to a podcast. Um, watching a movie that you love, spending time with people you love, doing, you know, taking up a hobby. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's learning a skill. Maybe it's whatever. So that's why I think it's, it's way more mainstream than just 
mother's knitting. (laughs) Okay, that's what it sounds like. And there's a book called Mother Culture, apparently, that if you Google it, the cover art of this book is so like exactly what you would imagine the cover art for a book called Mother Culture (laughs) to be. But I have to say, like, I, I have to take it back. I said something like, wow, I will never read that book because of the cover. I am so terrible about judging a book by its cover. I really am. For an English major, that is like, and supposedly, you know, that's like our unforgivable sin. I commit that all the time. Totally judging a book by its cover. But then I found out, and I said, I think I said this on one of those forums. (laughs) I have a long history of putting my foot in my mouth, um, oftentimes online. Um, And this was one of those moments. And I said something like, well, you know, that cover guarantees I'm never going to read it. And somebody came on and said, well, I thought that too. But then I did some research and I found out that she actually got the cover art because it was a painting that one of her children made for her. And I was like, ah. Man, it's kid art. (laughs) Now I can't hate it. (laughs) So I have a great, great um, amount of crow that I've had to eat about mother culture. So I'm just passing it on to you. And I'm letting you know that mother culture can be for you too. Just call it personal culture. Okay. Or just call it self-care. Mother culture can be for everyone, whether you're a mother or not. Okay. So, um, what partic- what in particular am I doing for my mother culture? Okay, I'm going to tell you. First of all, Mother uh, Charlotte Mason, as part of mother culture, suggested her recommendation was that you should always be reading three books. So she did not advocate read one book cover to cover before you pick up the next one. She thought you should always be in process of reading three books. And of those three books, one should be a biography, one should be a novel, and one should be something that you're going to learn from. I love this construct of how to rotate out the books on your nightstand so much. And not just because I typically tend to like biographies and I tend to like self-help books, but also because novel is thrown in there. That is so cool to me because I know that for a long time, for a lot of human history, novels were considered to be really like lesser deserving books. And I completely disagree. I appreciated so much that most of my English degree reading was of novels. And I love novels even though I also love biographies and self-help books, learning books, but I love that novel is on here. So you should always be reading a biography, a novel, and something to learn. So I'm working on that, okay? I am reading a novel. It is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. (laughs) As I mentioned in the last podcast, my child has finally shamed me into reading Harry Potter, and so I am, and so I'm into the fourth book, I'm actually really enjoying this one. I feel like now I finally got the hang of all these people and all these names and all this stuff. And so now it's not quite as, um, I don't have to pay attention as hard, you know, I'm kind of like now I have the lingo down. So that's the novel that I'm reading. Um, I'm going to be super Southern and cliche and say that I am reading the Bible <laughs> as something to learn. <laughs> because I, I am, (laughs) um, I'm actually in 
um, a challenge group that is we're spending a year and we're meeting once a week and we're reading the entire New Testament in chronological order, like, um, or pub publishing order. I can't remember. There's a certain order that we're reading stuff in. Maybe it's, it's chronological events. So we're not just necessarily reading the books in the order that they come in the New Testament, but we're skipping around to where we're reading things in the order in which they happened in history. Um, and we're memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. So yeah, that's definitely something to learn. It is hard, but anyway. Um, and so I don't have a biography. I need a biography. So if anybody wants to recommend a biography to me, you can find me on Instagram um, at oddly adulting. You can email me oddly adulting at Gmail. Or if you just happen to know me personally and you have my phone number, you can text or call. But I need a biography. So that is y'all's homework assignment for the week is to find me a biography. All right. So that's there. That was her first thing. There's four things. First thing of mother culture is you should be reading three books at all times, a biography, a novel, and something to learn. Second thing, you should be listening to music that interests you. Okay. So is it, is it okay for me to admit that the kind of music that interests me is Luke Bryan? (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) And I did just find out that he has a new album coming out this year. So that should give me plenty of um, material for my mother culture. But um, but truthfully, I am trying to expand my music listening um, outside of like pop country. And so I do when we're in the car, we do often listen to Bluegrass Junction. And I'm to the point, I'm to the point in my listening to Bluegrass Junction that I actually now recognize songs. When we first started listening to Bluegrass Junction, this was like two years ago. It was like every single song was the first time I had ever heard it. And it took forever for me to ever hear a song a second time. Not un- completely unlike, you know, the pop country top 40 stations where you hear the same 10 songs every two hours. So, um, it's fun that I'm finally getting to the point to where I recognize more, um, more of these songs. And so I have the Shazam app on my phone. Do you guys have this? Um, it's an app that it can listen to what you're listening to on the radio. You hit the button and it listens and then it tells you who sang it. And so my, whereas my Shazam app used to be full of pop country songs. Now some of the ones that I have shazammed lately is the Del McCurry band, the song Streets of Baltimore. Sup Nazarene. Um, Della May and Avril Smith, the song Bluebird Blackbird. Charlie Sizemore, Heartache Looking for a Home. That's a fun one. Um, another Della May called 16 Tons. Um, Gonna Sing, Gonna Shout by Claire Lynch. Um, Shine by Dolly Parton. And the most recent one was by a group called the Marshall Family. And oh my goodness, their cover art, they are some homely folks. (laughs) I have no idea what year this album was, um produced in. Well, let me just hit the button. Maybe it'll tell me. 
it's by the, what did I say it was? The Marshall family? It looks like sometime in the 70s based on the cover art. Let's just see if it'll tell me. Dun, 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 dun. Marshall family, you look like you're from the 70s. When did you cut this album? It's loading. Oh, 2002. <laughs> no, her hair looks straight from out of the 70s. Oh, that is too funny. Okay, well, here, I'll let y'all listen to a little bit of it. The Marshall Family, The Legendary Marshall Family, Volume 1. Okay, so that's the idea. So anyway, that's what I've been listening to. I've been trying to branch out of pop country. Don't anyone tell Luke Bryan, but anyway, I'm mad at him because his tour is not coming to Atlanta in 2020, so it's fine. All right. Um, and that brings us to, so we covered books, we covered music. That brings us to, oh, and hobbies. I'm going to skip three. I'm going to skip the next one and I'm going to touch on hobbies real fast. I already told y'all I'm making a temperature blanket. I'm crocheting an afghan. It's going to be a gigantic afghan by the end of 2020 and I am charting the temperature for every single day. Okay, so that's my that's my handicraft hobby. So now what's left? If you can remember, what did I say we were supposed to be studying as mother culture? Music, books, crafts and art. Okay, so it's not just looking at art. That is one option. You can look at art. You can go to art museums. I did actually do that with a couple of friends. Several months ago, we went to, there was an art museum that was having a free free admission night. And we went to the art museum and we really enjoyed ourselves. And it reminded me while I was walking around the museum. So this was kind of the impetus for all of this. This was, I guess it's been longer ago than I remember because it was before my birthday. Um, and my birthday's coming up in like three months. So it was a good while ago. We went to this art museum and we're walking around and I'm thinking the whole time I'm there, man, I really miss painting. I miss doing art. I like art. Why don't I ever do art anymore? And so I kind of made a little, I sort of was like, I'm going to do more art. And that was really even before I put much thought into this idea of mother culture. So before I tell you what I'm doing for art now, I'm going to tell you kind of like my little art background, which is not entirely fascinating, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. So it started in first grade. <laughs> I'm being totally serious. This is a true story. In first place, I won first place for a picture of Texas blue bonnets made with oil pastels. Yes, I did. And I, I still have that picture, in fact, and I still have that blue ribbon. I found it just recently when I was um, decluttering some stuff because we were moving things around. I don't know if I mentioned on the last podcast or not, but we renovated our master bedroom. My husband surprised me with a master bedroom renovation during Christmas. Wasn't that sweet of him? <laughs> I have I have mostly recovered from the stress of that. Um Maybe by the time the PTSD dies down, I'll be able to tell you about that. But anyway, we remodeled our master bedroom during December. 
And so I had to do a lot of decluttering when we were moving stuff around. And I unearthed my first place, Texas blue bonnets, oil pastels. And I came, I brought it out and I was so excited to show it to my kids because they've been taking art classes. We do a homeschool art class twice a month. And they've been taking these art classes and producing all kinds of beautiful art, such as the flamingo that is the um, cover art for this podcast. I was like, look, guys, look what I found. And they were so not impressed. And I was so offended. So I put it on the mantle and made them look at it for two weeks. All right. So that's where it all started. It started with my Texas blue bonnets in first grade. And then some time passed. I honed my skills a little more. And in seventh grade, which I started a new school in seventh grade. So I had a brand new art teacher. Her name was Mrs. Haynes. And I thought she was the coolest person ever. I've always thought all my art teachers were cool, but up to that point in my life, she was the coolest. Um, Mrs. Haynes. And she, with her help, I was able to draw a really, really, really good pine cone. I mean, it was really good. Everybody said so. The shading was incredible. It was so lifelike. It took me like three weeks, but that pine cone will live forever in my memory. It did not, however, make it into the box of stuff that like I kept forever because I can't find it anymore. But in my mind for perpetuity, there is a pine cone. It was really good. And so then in just a couple more years after that, when I was in ninth grade, my mom, I came home from school one day and my mom said, oh, hey, guess what? I enrolled you in art classes. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, um, every Saturday at the Michaels store <laughs> in the back room, they have a Bob Ross oil painting class. And I signed you up. Your first class is Saturday. And so I was like, okay. So <laughs> apparently, uh, back in the day, there were people in the, that the, the Michaels store Michael's chain of stores. I think this was not, I mean, I don't think it was just at our Michael's store. Maybe it was. I don't know. If someone knows, they can tell me, tell me the difference. But they got the idea that, you know, Bob Ross was so popular on TV that they could, what dog? Do you want out? Okay, but you're just going to be a pest. Quit being a pest. They got the idea that they could monetize on that which Bob Ross never monetized. I don't know if you know this about Bob Ross. He never charged anything at all for painting, for doing those live painting classes for PBS. It was totally, it was just a donation. He just donated his awesome self to the world. Uh, But they decided that they could make some, some coin off of his idea. And so every Saturday morning from like 10 to 1230, it was really long class. You need a long class because of oils, because they take forever to dry. And so, um, it's a really slow process, but, um, uh, there was an art class, oil painting art class in the Bob Ross style, which is on a wet canvas. So you paint your white canvas white. That's the first thing you do every week or every, every, not every week. It's, it would take weeks to finish painting, but you, um, you paint your white canvas white and then you start your picture. And my teacher's name was Don K. And he spelled his name D-O-N, obviously. And then K was K-A-Y-E. And I always thought, this is so odd that Bob Ross is B-O-B. That's three letters. And Ross is R-O-S-S. That's 
four letters. And my Bob Ross style painting art teacher is named Don. That's three letters. K, four letters. Don K. Anyway, I don't know if anybody else's mind works like that, but mine definitely does. So my, um, my Bob Ross painting teacher, Don K was the funniest. He had to have been 70 if he was a day. He might have been 80. I don't know. And um, he was super short. He was like a head shorter than me. And I'm only five, six. He was like a head shorter than me. And he was this very like gruff, brusque. Uh, he was from somewhere up north. You know, he was like a full on Yankee living in the south. And he would, you know, he'd come over and he's like, okay, well, now you're going to do this, you know, and he'd tell us whatever the net set, we'd pick out a picture that we wanted to paint and he'd tell us what, you know, what order to do stuff in. All right, paint your canvas. What did you paint your canvas? Why'd you call me over here if your canvas isn't painted away? Okay, sorry. You know, so, um, and I was, um, for the, for the first like solid six months, I was the youngest person in the class by probably 40 years, if I had to guess. So I was like 14, 15 And the next youngest person was like a 55-year-old man. (laughs) And then our extremely elderly teacher, Don Kay. And they were, oh, shoot, there went my light again. Olive, you did that. I can't see. Oh, there we go. Don't do that. It's a fire hazard. Just sit still. Please. You want out? You know you're not going to be happy if I let you out. Anyway, they were the most fun group of people. They were so sweet to me and so kind and so appropriate. Like nobody ever made me feel uncomfortable. It was just the, and then a friend of mine started taking classes about six months and her name was Kelly and she was a little bit younger than me. And so then we were the two youngest people in class. We had, we just had the best time. We would like paint a little and then we'd go wander around the store and we'd buy Trollio's peach rings and we'd come back and we'd eat peach rings and we'd paint the next thing. And then we'd all walk around and take a look at what each other was painting. Oh, that looks so good. Oh, I love yours. They were so sweet to us. And inevitably, you know, one of the old guys would go buy candy for everybody and bring it back. It was just such a fun, it was a fun group. And I, I stayed in that, in that class. I took that class very regularly on Saturday mornings for like the entire four years of high school and produced multiple dozens of Bob Ross style paintings. (laughs) So letting my dog out, she's going to want to come right back in, but whatever. Can't keep a dog happy. So, um, so I painted all the way until I got to college and then I went to college and I didn't bring my paint stuff with me. And I wasn't an art major and I didn't really have any free time. So I took a hiatus from painting, like going to college started the hiatus and my, the last, well, how long have I been out of college now? Let me see. Let me do some math. Um, 16, 16 years, been out of college for 16 years. So then including the four years of college, we're talking about an almost 20 year hiatus from painting. So enter the homeschool art class. So first of all, last summer, we have the sweetest little art studio downtown in our little town. We have a little, you know, one of those little historic downtown, um, with the courthouse and all the, all the downtown little shops. 
and there's an art studio that has been there, I guess forever. And I just didn't, I didn't know about it. No one had ever drawn my attention to it. And my kids had never taken any type of classes there. Well, it changed ownership in the last two years. And I saw an article about it in our local paper and they were, she was telling the, the, the person who bought it was talking about her vision for the studio and what she wanted to do. And she wanted to do adult classes and kids classes and daytime and nighttime and art camp and all this kind of stuff. So my kids were like, Oh my gosh, art camp. That sounds awesome. So they talked, they talked their grandmother, my mom who lives in town into paying for them, sending them to art camp last summer. And, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, I expected to get like, um, sips and strokes type art out of them, you know, like flop flops on the beach or like a pickup truck or just the, like, you know, the goofy sort of like campy type art that you would get from going to like a paint night, you know, at a brewery or something. But what they actually came home with, as evidenced by the cover art for this podcast, was real actual art. And so I was super thrilled to find out that we had this place in town. I think it's really reasonable. She just charges 20 bucks a kid per lesson and it's a two-hour lesson. And so she and me and several other friends that sent their kids to the summer class were like, hey when do you do your classes for kids? And she's like, okay, well, they're in, you know, it's in the afternoon once a week. And we were like, listen, if you can, like, would you be willing to open up for homeschool kids? If we could get a group together, like, would you do a daytime class? And she was like, yes, absolutely. So that was already on my radar for this school year. Okay. Then I had this moment, this stroke of genius. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. I got a little ahead of myself. Back, remember when I told you I went to an art museum with some friends and was like, man, I miss painting. I miss making art. I did a really great pine cone one time. Why did I never do anything else? (laughs) So, so when my birthday came around in April, I bought myself a birthday present of a let's make art subscription box. And then I panicked and thought, I, I'm crazy. I am never going to have time to do this. So I immediately canceled it. I got one box. Okay. So let's make art is this. And I think their website is like, let's make art.com. Let's make art is a subscription service. I want to say it is probably $35 a month. If you have the, the revolving subscription that comes every month, every month they send you a box with four painting kits. It's all the paper you need, all the paint you need, and um, the example picture so that you can have something that you're looking at that, you know, is the, the type of the picture you're supposed to be painting. Also, if you have to trace anything, they send you graphite paper to trace with. And the teacher, whose name is Sarah Cray, C-R-A-Y, Sarah Cray, um, does a live paint along tutorial that she puts on YouTube. And so anyone, you don't even have to be a subscriber to the box. Anyone can go paint along, find these tutorials. You just go to YouTube, type in let's make art and you'll see there's just like, there's probably a hundred by now. 
where she paints the picture. She has a group of people at a table. She paints the picture. It takes less than two hours. Usually it's like an hour and a half start to finish. And you learn how to paint with watercolors. So I went out on a limb. I have never painted with watercolors, like except for being a kid and having a watercolor book, you know, like a cheesy kit, you know, in your little tray of dry watercolors that you put, add the water to and all that. I've never tried to paint with watercolors, but I went out on a limb and I like impulse bought this subscription box for my birthday and it came and I opened it and I was so excited and I was like, oh, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so great. And I set it down on my bedside table and then I walked away and never looked at it again for like four months. (laughs) So. I told you that story so I could tell you this story. So fall came, September came around. We were going to start. We talked to the lady downtown. She said, let's do it. We'll have homeschool class. We decided we'd do it on, you know, these particular days. And so it came time. It was the night before our first class. It also happened to be the night before I was planning on starting school. I I usually start around September 1st. It just so happened our first class was going to be on September 1st. So our first day of school, the first thing we were going to do was get up and go to an art class. So the night before I was getting all my stuff together so that I'd be ready. And I was plugging my phone in, you know, put setting my alarm. And I saw the Let's Make Art box on my bedside table. And I had the most rare stroke of genius. I don't often have these moments. I'm not much of a problem solver. I'm more of a planner than a problem solver. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, I could sit on the other side of the studio while the children are having their lesson and I could make art. I have everything I need. It's right here. It's all here. I could make art too. And so that's exactly what I did. So we got to art class. They went over to their side of the art studio, sat down at the table. I went to the other side of the art studio at an empty table, put my headphones in, got my tutorial queued up, and I made art. I painted a bird nest, a bird nest with five eggs in it, out of watercolors, which I had never done before. Super different techniques. Absolutely nothing like oil painting, like nothing, nothing that I knew from oil painting was at all helpful for watercolors. So it was all brand new. It was such a challenge, but it was so fun. And so now as often as I can, which I try to do it every, every time we have an art lesson, I try to make sure that I have what I need so that I can do one of my let's make arts. Um, I go to art class with them, but I sit on the other side of the room and plug into my tutorial and I do a watercolor. So, so far, um, I have done, and sometimes it takes me more than one class because the area of town where the art studio is, the internet reception is really bad. And so occasionally I'll get into the tutorial and then like the internet will crap out and it won't finish. So I won't be able to finish that day. So, but so far I've done a bird nest. I did um, a jar of, a jar of tulips, which I gave my best friend for Christmas because tulips are one of her favorite flowers. She and her, her husband buys her tulips all the time. So I gave her tulips. I did a flamingo with, um, a flower crown for my sister because her 
baby nursery was inspired by the most adorable flamingo stuffed animal you've ever seen. And so I painted her a flamingo. Um, I did, oh, what was the other one? Hmm. I know I've completed another one. I've completed four, but I can't remember what the other one was. And then this past week, my friend Jennifer and I, so I gave Jennifer a Let's Make Art kit for Christmas because her boys take the take the class too. And so I'm like, you need to come and paint with me sometime. She's like, oh, I don't know. And so I bought her a kit and I was like, now you don't have a choice. You have to come paint with me. So we sat down and we started a bluebird and we did not finish. So we'll get to finish the next one. So... It is something now that I can really look forward to. And honestly, those two hours that they're in class, I know that I could technically drop them off and go do something else because there's always something else that could be done. Like there's always an errand that needs to be ran. You know, I could do some grocery shopping. I could go walk around the track, I guess. You know, I could do, I could find something else to do, but this particular activity just is so peaceful and enjoyable. And I just feel so much more like a person when I leave there, not so much a homeschool mom, you know, like I just feel like a person. I'm like, I'm a person that made art. Wow. So for me, it's completely worth it to not just dump the kids and run. I'm usually looking for opportunities to do that. Since we are together almost all the time, I typically will find opportunities to dump them and run. But this is not one of the time slots that I have decided to do that. Instead, I have decided to totally flip it on its head and use that two-hour art lesson twice a month for getting to make art. So as I have kind of embraced the idea of mother culture, but I'm doing it sort of in my own way, you know, with a little side of snark, I guess. So with that said, you know, y'all have heard me say in almost every episode, except I forgot in the last episode, which was kind of funny. Hold on. I need some water. I always say, but I forgot to say in the last one that I have a website. It's oddlyadulting.com. Um, Instagram account at oddly adulting email, oddly adulting at Gmail. And that I consider all of the listeners to my podcast to be producers. And what that means is that if I don't have anyone listening, there's, there's literally no reason for me to record a podcast. Although I do enjoy talking into the void and have been accused of being too talkative basically my entire life. So it's not exactly a struggle for me to sit down and do this. <laughs> it kind of comes naturally. Um, there's not really any point for me to do this unless there are people out there that are going to listen. So in order for me to, in order for the podcast to exist at all, I have to have listeners. So basically y'all are the reason that this podcast gets produced. So that makes you producers. I love getting comments from producers. I love getting emails. I love getting suggestions. That's why I'm totally crowdsourcing you guys for a biography. And so I love all of those things. And I want you guys to keep them coming. And if you have never reached out to me and told me that you're listening, I would love to hear from you. I think it would be super fun to, I mean, every, every time I get an email, I think it's super fun, but you know, I just sort of at this point in my, 
and journey, I guess. I assume that everyone that's listening is someone that's like related to me or already knows me. So if anyone out there is a stranger, if you're a stranger and you have never met me, I would love nothing more than to hear from you via email or find me on Instagram and send me a direct message or something. That would be so fun. So uh, in an effort to connect with my producers, here's what we're going to do. Okay. I want to do like a giveaway. Okay. I'm not going to require you to send me money. (laughs) That's not technically a giveaway, is it? If I make you give me money. However, you can send me money if you want to. I do have a link on my Facebook page that is for donations. It does cost money to host a podcast. Right now I'm running about $12 a month in expenses. So I'm fully paid up. Thank you. Thanks to the generous donations of several of my uh, producers since I started doing the podcast. And most recently I received a $20 donation from producer Christy, who is in the ranks of people who have to claim that they're related to me. Um, but I appreciate her listening so much. She's always so encouraging and it's always fun to hear, um, that she's listening and she apparently thinks it is worth $20 every so often. So she sent me $20 and I appreciate that very much. That's going to keep the lights on for another month. So for anyone else who's listening, you are more than welcome to send me money and you can do that via PayPal by going to my website. It's very easy. Also, if you just know me and you have my address, feel free to mail me a check, (laughs) but That's not what kind of giveaway we're going to do. We're not going to do a donation-driven giveaway, although donations are welcome and encouraged. Instead, I want to just hear from you. If you are listening to this podcast, if you are one of my producers, whether you have ever reached out to me in the past or not, doesn't matter. Everyone gets a clean slate. It's 2020. I have received no emails from anyone in 2020, okay? I have not made any Instagram posts in 2020 that I'm aware of that I can remember. So it's it's free game for anybody. I'm going to make a post on Instagram about this episode, episode 25. And the email is always there. And um, I think I deactivated comments on the website. So you probably can't leave me a comment, but send me an email or find me on Instagram because here's what we're going to do for the next, for the duration of this month. Cause I know not everybody listens to podcasts like on a live basis. Like every time there's a new one, they immediately listen to it. So I'm going to give you until the end of the month. It's today is the 19th of January that I'm recording. So it's probably the 20th that this will get published. So for the end of the month, for the rest of the month, I'm going to give everybody a chance to reach out and make contact with me. If you're a listener producing this show in any form or fashion, I want you to get in contact with me. And I just want you to like, just interact. Okay. I'm just going to make it an open, it's just going to be an open request. Interact with me in some way, comment, email, direct message, whatever. And my two, I want you to tell me something odd. Okay. That's the only thing I'm asking. Tell me something odd about you that you're willing for me to repeat on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. That's probably the only rule here. Okay. I want you to tell me something odd about you and make it something that you would allow me to repeat on the podcast. And out of all of the responses that I get, I'm going to just pick my two favorite. I'm going to play favorites. Okay. I'm not going to randomize it. I'm going to play favorites. So I want to make it kind of competitive. Like tell me something good. Tell me something really good and odd. And also, you know, family friendly in case anyone's kids listen to this podcast. (laughs) 
But that's the, that's the gig. Okay. We're going to have a little contest. Who can tell me the most interesting slash odd slash memorable type thing? You can either comment on my post on Instagram, direct message me on Instagram, or email me, oddlyadulting at gmail. And the two winners are going to receive original pieces of art from me. (laughs) One of you is going to get an odd bird, and the other of you is going to get an odd duck. No, I have not painted these yet. So it's going to be a mystery to all of us what this odd bird and this odd duck look like. But that's the deal. Okay. Whoever wins, I will reach out to you in whatever form you reached out to me. So if you comment to me, I'll comment back. If you message me, I'll message back. If you email me, I'll email back. And that way I can get your address so I can send you your odd bird or your odd duck. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to start 2020 off. I'm going to let you tell me something odd about yourself. And we're going to make it kind of competitive since there's some stakes some original art that will someday be famous, maybe, because it will have my John Hancock on it. Um, but I really want to, I really want to have a purpose for my mother culture. Okay. So for the next, um, two weeks, I'm going to give y'all a chance to compete for some original art by yours truly, which will also help me in my pursuit of mother culture. And that's pretty much all I had to say. Hard to believe I could turn that topic into an hour worth of chit chatting, but you know, I've done it again. If you did make it all the way to the end of this, you know what I'm going to say. But before I say that, let me remind everyone, you can find me at oddlyadulting.com, oddlyadulting at gmail, oddlyadulting on Instagram. And if you did make it all the way to the end of this, I love you. And Jesus does too. Bye. And the intro music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner. <laughs>